Hi, welcome to Chatting to a Friend. I'm Katie Friend and in this podcast I'm chatting to incredible women about their life experiences and adventures, as well as their thoughts on friendship, community, self-care, setting boundaries and how they keep healthy, happy and sane. Today's guest on the podcast is Joe Mosley. Now, this is a really brilliant conversation, which will strike a chord with many, many women and should probably be listened to by many, many men as well. When she was 48, Jo Mosley found herself crying in the biscuit aisle at Tesco's. She was at that time a single mum of two boys and both her parents were suffering from cancer. She realised that everything she was dealing with was just in her daily life was not helping, was not serving her. And she also realized she was heading into the perimenopause. What she then discovered were ways of bringing joy back into her life. She discovered movement, took up rowing on a rowing machine, walking, and then stand up paddleboarding. And this conversation is all about how she managed her mental health and her physical health through the rocky, rocky times that were to come. We also discussed the film Brave Enough, which she made and was released very recently about her being the first woman to paddleboard across England from Liverpool to Ghoul. It's a very personal conversation, but as I say, I think it's something that many, many people will be able to relate to. I absolutely loved chatting to Jo. She's great fun and she is doing such amazing work for her charities and to raise awareness of menopause and women bringing more joy back into their lives. Hi Jo, how are you? Thanks for joining me today. I'm great, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure. I saw your film Brave Enough uh, on a screening, well, I think it was a, two or three weeks ago. And anyone who listened to the podcast I made with its filmmaker, Frit, a couple of weeks ago will know that I <laughs> was messaging him halfway through going, I'm crying. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> because what an amazing film. What an incredible journey you've been on. And I just, I felt so much of it so deeply myself and I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit about the film and a little bit about the journey that took you there yeah oh thank you that's incredibly kind of you um the feedback's been amazing and Frit and I are just overwhelmed by it we I sat down in in January and said Frit I think we should try and share this with the world um ourselves and and it was a huge learning curve for both of us, but the feedback's been amazing. Um, so the film is called Brave Enough, A Journey Home to Joy, and it documents my paddleboarding journey from Liverpool to Ghoul in 2019, picking up litter and raising money for the Wave Project, which is a surf therapy um, charity, and the Tunip Beach Clean Foundation, which is a charity that encourages us all to pick up litter and look at how we can reduce our own single-use plastic consumption. And that was the physical journey that I took, 162 miles, 101 locks, 200 swing bridges and two tunnels, one of which is a mile long. Mm. But the film, yeah, I know, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> How did I do that? Um, but the film really also has the backstory. This was something Frit and I decided to put in, um, partly because Frit could see the emotional journey that I was going on and was deeply sensitive to that. So we decided to put the the backstory in, which was that um, a few years ago I'd been very um, well 
what we call the chocolate hop moment. And I'm sure there's many <laughs> women that have experienced that sort of in the supermarket, after school, after work, with my boys, just bursting into tears, you know, sobbing that I couldn't go on, I couldn't cope. I, it was all too much for me. Um, and at the time, um, I thought it was because I was a busy single mum. So uh, the boys were about 13 and 16 then. Um, both mum and dad were going through chemotherapy. So dad has had breast, bowel and skin cancer and mum was having chemo for lymphoma. But I didn't realise it at the time that I was also going through the early stages of the menopause. So, mm. you know, cold flushes, night sweats, heart palpitations, itchy skin, tinnitus, um, always anxious, always overwhelmed, always thinking like the world was going to collapse around me and it was my fault. Um, brain fog, headaches. I mean, you know, I think there's a list of about 35 symptoms and yeah. I have most of them, except hot flushes. I don't, I don't get hot flushes, I get cold <laughs> flushes. Um, and sort of that was a low point. And then I, a friend of mine lent me an old indoor rowing machine saying exercise might help you sleep. I spent all my time, you know, at the rugby pitch sort of taking the boys here and there, but not really looking after myself. Again, like a lot of women, I think, experience. Mm. And um, I did a big fundraising challenge for Macmillan Cancer after mum died. And then I just realized that moving my body helped me. Um, I've never, I'd never grasped that. I'd really lost that joy of movement in my teens and twenties. And, and it had always been about losing weight or competing. And, and both mm. of those were problematic for me. And so um, I then went back to all these little adventures that I'd loved, like swimming in the sea and bodyboarding and hiking in the dales and then started paddleboarding. And so what Frit um, and I did was we brought this backstory into the journey. Um, and the film, when Frit first showed it to me, was great, but it didn't have that backstory. Yeah. And by putting the backstory in and, and sharing what I think is a very un universal message within the specifics of my life, mm. we were able to reach a lot more people in a, a kind of heart-to-heart -heart way rather than a theoretical way, I hope. Well, that's the messages that we've received. And um, and so the, the the journey, we chronicle what happened on the journey. We, we chronicle how it related to my, you know, my my past and my future. And, and um, we created something that we think, we're really both incredibly proud of, and it was um, a momentous sort of occasion, uh, momentous, but it was a, a special journey for the two of us. And um, we brought the film together and we shared it and just incredibly grateful for the response that um, the response that people have had to it and the generosity they've approached it and the feedback. And yeah, we're it, pretty exciting, really. What is the, the sort of feedback in general that you're getting then? Um, from women kind of our age-ish, it's like, gosh, I really feel that. I, I get that. You know, I haven't necessarily burst into tears in Tesco's in, in the biscuit aisle, but there've been moments where I felt overwhelmed. Um, a lot of women in terms of their relationship to their bodies and to exercise, you know, sport for some people was a real turn off at school. I, I hope it's changing, but the narrative around our bodies was it they were never good enough that we needed to make them smaller and that joy of movement I think just bypassed generations of us you, you know so yeah. many of us and so a lot of and confidence you know that lo loss of confidence that you have mm -hmm. when um 
when life just takes its toll. Um, and there's also themes not just of the menopause. There's um, grief, both obviously my mum dying. That was huge. Mm -hmm. um, grief of miscarriages, which I just buried away inside me because I didn't feel I could talk about them. Um, grief of being divorced, something I don't really talk about, but there is a grief there. So grief, anxiety, loss, um, but then the journey back to joy. And the journey back to joy wasn't overnight and it wasn't mm. through one massive successful victory. It was just daily tiny steps saying, you know, my well-being matters and these are little ways that I can look after myself. Um, and I think it's that, I think it's a mixture of the hope and the vulnerability, vulnerability, but also the accessibility. You know, I'm not mm. saying you have to paddleboard coast to coast, but I am saying if you want to go for a walk or you feel like you might like to try sea swimming, then you owe it to yourself and you're worth doing it and you're worth investing that time and energy. So I think it's the accessibility that really also captures people and they think, gosh, I could do that. Um, it's not a mountaintop conquering film <laughs> you know oh, I'm not no. telling people to chase extraordinary things I'm just saying you're already or extraordinary yourself and you have everything within you you just need to give yourself a chance to believe that there's so much I want to cover but one of the things I am interested in because it's something I felt very deeply myself and I don't have a Tesco but um mm. I have had you know very similar moments mm. of just thinking I can't cope with this mm -hmm. anymore just too much to just always trying to do everything right all the time and mm -hmm. primarily despite the fact that I've done some you know quite cool things over the years primarily the whole surrounding the mummy guilt and being mm -hmm. a mummy first and foremost and when I interviewed Fritz she said that you talked to her a little bit about how that's how you'd been brought up and I was too. And I don't even think it was an explicit, you must mm. grow up, have children and give up all your own personal rights and mm. joys. Mm. But how, so how do you think that comes about or came about? And I guess you can only speak for yourself, but yeah. I imagine you've talked to lots of other women. Yeah. I mean, as you say, nobody told us we had to do that. It was just that level of expectation. Um, my mum worked. My mum was an amazing saleswoman. So she would be working from home and having businesses and and she did everything. You know, she did everything. So it wasn't that my mum and dad were telling me that I needed to do this. It was just an expectation that we simply didn't question. Um, you know, and that's why I love following younger women sometimes. And I'll see things on Twitter where they're, you know, shared parental leave and and the mum and dad do everything jointly. And I literally, like, I sometimes think, God, how do you get your head around that idea? <laughs> and so, you know, that's amazing um, because it just wasn't part of the narrative um, for many women. I mean, I know there's women who've managed that and they've sorted it. So well done to them. I hugely admire women of our generation that have done that. Um, but I just never questioned it. Um, and then I think for me being a single mum, there just was nobody that I could pass the pass it to so um you know I didn't you know when people were sort of saying well you have to lean into your career and let someone else take the ropes it's like well who's going to take the ropes then you know <laughs> so I never had that uh, after I became a single mum so um I I don't think I just think it was what society said it was what the magazine said it was it mm. was nobody said it was all about 
being the best you could be and trying to do it all within a particular structure rather than saying, let's dismantle the structure and make it easier for women, you know? And so instead of, yeah, that's what we should have been doing is dismantling the structure that said we had to do it all and could be it all and be amazing. And, you know, I remember reading cosmopolitan articles when I was at university thinking, you know, and they would say, and how are, you know, you're the all, you know, you're going to be the superwoman and, and you can do this, 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 and this. And, and it was all about trying to cram more into your life rather than saying, mm. could someone else just take a bit of the load here so that I actually can have a career or I can look after myself. And, and so I love that women are questioning that. And I hope that there will be structures in place in the future, which will allow them to, although following things on, on Twitter through COVID, it seems that, you know, Mums have really taken the brunt of the housework, the childcare, the late, you know, the love, the the domestic labor, the physical labor. Mm. And so hopefully um, the progress won't be set back again. Um, I don't know. I can only see it from the vantage point of being a bit older now. Well, they do say, they, what do they call it? The secret pandemic or the silent pandemic. Yeah. I can't remember that the, yeah. the, the women are taking, as you say, a disproportionate amount of yeah the strain in terms of what's happening at home. Absolutely. When you had the crying in Tesco, because mm-hmm. presumably it wasn't just a one-off thing, you know, that's a sort of a, yeah. I remember, I can tell you my big cry yeah. that kicked me off into thinking that life had to be different. And I was driving to Italy with my husband to do a bike race. Mm-hmm. And I was really nervous about the bike race, but I, I it just suddenly blew into this almighty like the bike race became like, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but like this metaphor mm. for everything. Mm. How on earth was I going to do this? How on earth was I going to cope? And howling nearly all the way. I live in Switzerland. So that's like driving into Italy is not actually, um, you know, a million miles away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but just howling and crying and him just looking at me going, oh, oh my God, what what is going on? What? Yeah. It's just a bike race. Yeah. And me howling and crying. But I know looking back now that there had be, it had been building up, yes. building up and building up yeah. and building up. Yeah. And so what sort of, obviously that was, you know, for the purpose of the narrative and the story, that's the sort of, what did you notice now, perhaps in hindsight that was happening? I, I think it was the buildup um, and not understanding what the perimenopause can do to a woman. And, you know, that yeah. the, 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 the hormone changes and the things that are going on can be, you know, I was already on my knees. Mum and dad were going through chemo. Mm-hmm. I was a busy single mum. And the menopause came and kind of, you know, kicked me in the shins and I was on the floor. So it was just, and I, I didn't, I think there's also that element of I don't tell anybody. I don't tell anybody in case they think I'm a bad mother and that I'm failing. Um, because I can't let anybody know that I'm failing. Um, and it wasn't that I was yeah. failing. It was that I just wasn't looking after myself and I wasn't putting my needs yeah. on the priority list. And I give lots of lovely talks to different groups and, you know, that the priority list is where I want, if there's one thing I want women to take away, and mainly there's women at the, the things, but some of my corporate talks as men too, is to go and put themselves on the priority list um, and and Absolutely. look after what you what is important to you um and um it was that build-up I didn't want to fail anybody I didn't want to worry mum and dad because they obviously you know were literally coordinating their Mm. diaries to go to the hospital I didn't want to look like I couldn't cope because um 
I still had that, and I don't have it now, but I still had that idea. There was a lot of talk about feckless single mothers. I absolutely don't have that now, but I did at the time that, you know, my boys and I had to do doubly well for people to um, to realise we were doing okay. So it was. Just, I just built it up and built it up. And, yeah, absolutely, this was the defining crying moment, but there have been very many. I think Sainsbury's is probably the only supermarket I haven't cried in. Um, I remember one day crying and, and I had I'd put tissues all over my face and these very lovely ladies came up. I, I, this was a few years before when, when I was newly divorced or going through my divorce. Um, and they came up to me and they said, we don't know what you're going through. But number one, you just want to pick that tissue off, off your face because it looks a little bit odd because um, it was literally stuck all onto my face. And they said, number two, whatever's going to go on, you're going to be okay. And I was like, I don't know if mm. I will. And I remember we were, I was in Waitrose Cafe in Otley and I said, I don't think I will be able to do whatever I have to do, what's going on, and I don't think I can do this. And they said, you can. Yeah. And they just were so sweet and they just kind of, you know, put their hand on my arm and they said, you can, you, you will find a way and it will be okay. Um, yeah, I always remember them. Really very, very kind of them to do that. And I hope in a way that I pass that forward to other women, you know, I hope they don't get into that crying in the supermarket situation, but I hope no. if they do. <laughs> and I remember one time, it's slightly at a tangent, but just the, the power of, of people supporting you. Um, the boys were younger and um, after school, and they were sort of a bit noisy in the supermarket. And this woman who must have been in her 70s or 80s came up I was like, oh, God, she's going to tell us off. Oh, gosh, you know, mm. feckless single mother stuff, you know, warning signs. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, you must be a really good mum for your boys to be so happy after school. Aww. And I literally went, are you actually serious? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, you really must. And um, and I just went, gosh, thank you. And, you know, I was hanging on by my fingertips mm. at that time. And a few years later, um, I'd seen her around in town quite a lot and, a few years later, so that was in uh, Tesco's in, uh, that was Tesco's Ilkley. And then a few years later in Marks and Spencer's in Ilkley, she was in the queue behind me and I'd seen her about town. Uh -huh. And I said, I don't know if you ever know, but about 10 years ago, I was with, yeah, 10 years it would have been, I was with my sons in the supermarket and this is what you said. And she was Jewish and she sort of shrugged her shoulders and, and she is Jewish, sorry. And she shrugged her shoulders and she said, well, that's what you do. That's what you do. Uh -huh. You've just got to keep paying it forward. And the lady on the till said, we know this lady, and that's how she lives her life. Oh. She does that to everybody. She just pays it forward, and she reminds people that they're good people and that they're strong people, and she encourages them. And, um, yeah, she was amazing. So it's it's amazing if you can just encourage people. Sorry, I went off at no, such a tangent. No, absolutely, I there. love that. No, 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 <laughs> tangent away. I love it. <laughs> that is so lovely. And there is something so powerful in just saying something kind or having something kind said to you in a moment where you are just at the end of your tether. Because you said earlier, when you mentioned about you were afraid that you couldn't cope. I know, I know exactly mm. what you mean. And the thing is, though, at that particular given moment, you can't cope. You are overwhelmed, but it's, you know, you can't see in the moment that that's just a moment. It's just what's going on at, at that time. 
Yeah. And that, you yeah. know, it's not the overall, I'm a bad mother. I'm never going to, they're, you know, they're going to take my kids away mm. or someone's going to mm. say I'm completely mental. And, but there mm. is that awful sense of, I can't tell somebody that I'm overwhelmed because, mm. you know, th- the sort of thing I'm learning is that two things can be true at once. I know that sounds really stupid, but no. I am overwhelmed and I can't cope right now, but I'm still a good yeah. mom and I am still Absolutely. managing life and my kids and my marriage mm-hmm. and my family and my, all the thousands of things on my to-do list. But right now in this moment, <laughs> mm. I can't cope. Uh, yeah. I have at the top of my stairs, a beautiful vintage gold ampersand Mm. that I bought from um, a lady on Instagram called the Grey Shed, she's now called. And I remind myself of the andness of life, that it can be really difficult right now and it's still going to be okay, you know, and you can hold two thoughts at the same time that are equally opposite Mm. and yet they're so, so dream big, look after the little things, work hard, go with the flow. Mm and can be a really powerful thing and you can be feeling absolutely rubbish right now like I I went through a little bit of a period through lockdown where I wasn't sleeping and I didn't suddenly think I'm a bad sleeper I was like I I didn't sleep that well last night and I can still function today and um it's not the end of the world and I'll just look after myself and I'll still go out for my walk because I know that will help Mm. me sleep tonight and I'm a good sleeper and I just had a bad night's sleep. Yeah. And, you know, at that andness where you can hold two opposing thoughts yeah. at the same time, I think is probably one of the biggest things I've learned in my 50s. Well, no, I have to say it's, it's so powerful mm-hmm. and I have been learning it but not, I had saw it written down just very recently on one of those kind of stupid Instagram yes. things. Yeah. And I just went, oh, it's actually a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it, and I also, because I'm, you know, I'm, my husband is a very sort of go get him, very driven sort of, and you know, and, and things are the way they are. Mm-hmm. And it's quite, sometimes it's, it's, he's, you know, it's quite difficult when you live with someone like that to sort of go, well, yeah. And yes. <laughs> um, this is, yeah. this can also be true. Yeah. <laughs> two, two very different realities at the same time can also be true. It, so how do you how did you go about when you had that sort of I don't want to call it an epiphany because mm. epiphany all sounds like a good thing mm. but that's sort of the crying in the biscuit mm. aisle where did you go from there like I know you you said your friend lent you the rowing machine and you started doing more exercise but was mm. it very gradual because for me it took a phone call with a girl I know who's an amazing nutritionist and she said you got to start looking after yourself mm. like you like what do you do to look after you mm. and I could not tell her Mm. anything Mm. and she said right (laughs) yeah yeah here's what we're gonna do so I just wondered where you went sort of did you get there quite quickly or what happened no I don't do anything quickly I'm a late bloomer (laughs) I'll be in my peak at 80 um yeah I know I'm working up to it now um no, I take every twist and turn you could possibly take. Um, so I told my friends, I think the biggest thing was telling her mm. was actually feeling like I should probably just let people know I'm not quite yeah. as yay on the outs- as I am on the outside. And that, so I told her, I said, this happened. And I sort of said it in a jokey way, like, ha ha, there was me crying. And, and she then just said, look, maybe exercise will help. Mm. So she gave me the indoor rowing machine. I did it in the house and I started sleeping 
And then I had these grand ideas. I was going to, a lot of people were around the channel at the time and I thought, oh, maybe I'll do that. And then I thought, nah, maybe I won't, you know, then mum died. And then I just found that even, you know, mum died just before Christmas on the 21st of December, that as Christmas came and went and that I was still going back to the Rome. By this time, the Rome machine that she'd given me had actually died. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just the stopping off point, really. Um, and so I was going back to the gym and I realized it was about looking after myself that, that I was, there was something in the movement of the, of the rowing machine that was helping my grief. And I just carried on doing that. And then I think because I started to look after myself that way, I started to, um, maybe drink more water, mm, <laughs> you know, literally quite yeah. late, go to bed a bit earlier. You know, I'm so particular about my bedtime. I'm just like, People, uh, when I, I hadn't been to book club for a while, but when we did, I remember once people saying, we better reveal next month's book because Joe's going to have to go to bed. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I really do have to go. I'm so sorry. Text me, but, you know, put it in the WhatsApp group. I've got to go to bed. I'm so particular mm. about going to bed because I know the difference it makes. And I remember when I was doing lots of rowing, when I then subsequently decided to start my indoor rowing challenge for mum, which I started on the 5th of May, um on their wedding anniversary I started eating loads of beetroot mm. um yeah and apparently somebody on Twitter said oh beetroot's got some compound which is really good for endurance so I started thinking mm. oh okay um you know I just started taking tiny little steps to just look after the little things I could do um and and it was just a, a gradual gradual thing um and started to read about the menopause like literally mm piecing it together backwards and you know why was my skin itching um and it's actually a thing called formication it's like you've got ants all over your yeah. legs um tinnitus I started piecing it together and because I'd never had a hot flush I've had about three times when I think I might get a hot flush but I don't get them mm -hmm. um but I would get heart uh, night sweats and heart palpitations which are pretty scary yeah uh, and I get cold flushes I started to piece it together and I started to lich literally from Twitter, literally, there would be women there talking about it. And I'd go, oh, my gosh, that's what I have. Ah, and I, I did an interview with a woman, um, a journalist, at two years ago, for actually for Tesco's magazine, which uh -huh. was really lovely. No, a year ago, a year ago, get my years wrong. So I was in Tesco's magazine, uh, which was just a really lovely kind of bookend to the situation. And, um, and I said to her that for three or four years, I thought I was permanently coming down with flu. Oh. Because I would have a headache, I would be shivering, I would feel dreadful, and I just would go to bed. And then the next morning, I'd be like, right as rain, and I'd go, oh, gosh, that flu was just, a, you know, it wasn't yeah. even a 24-hour bug. But what it was, it was the menopause, and it was my cold flushes, but I had no oh. idea. And also because I used to get um, aches in my joints oh. and bones yeah. and muscles, it, I just thought it was flu. And then I'd wake up right as rain the next morning. And it literally took me years to realize that's what was going on. Um, so it was all very gradual. It was all very pick and mix with hindsight. No grand plan. Just what works, what doesn't work. And now that I'm 56 and kind of in that menopause to post-menopause stage, I'm starting to, to really think, well, what works for me now? Because I do, I do have a sense that my body is changing into a kind of aging process mm. you know things that happen I mean even tiny things like 
I have to eat a bit earlier at night because my digestive system doesn't seem to work as well. <laughs> and, you know, really like weird things. Uh-huh. I, you know, I drink decaffeinated tea now, whereas before I could drink gallons of tea. Um, just tiny things being a bit more in tune with my body. So um, I take everything the long route, always the long route. No, but, you know, it's so crazy. I've, you know, everything you've said is – is is just what I'm experiencing, what my girlfriends are experiencing. Mm. And it's so insane that half the population mm. goes through this. Mm. And yet we don't learn about it. Mm. I remember the very first time friends of mine talked to me about the perimenopause and I was like, don't be ridiculous. That's not even a thing. Yes. Like I genuine, I, I still have actually older than an apology because I obviously worked out that that is an actual thing. <laughs> but I was like, don't be ridiculous. And, and, and then I was like, oh. Yeah, all these things and the, the anxiety and the sleeplessness mm. and the, oh, the night sweats. Don't get me started. Yeah. Mm. And it just, it's so crazy mm. that this is something we do not ever learn about and that we kind of, there's still this sort of embarrassment and shame and and lack of knowledge when you go to see a doctor or a physio or anybody and they don't say, what stage of your life are you at? Aha. This is probably something to do with this. You're not dying. You haven't like picked up some hideous virus or cancer or whatever it is that you've Googled and mm. told yourself you've got. It's that you are going through just that's it's a change. And I sorry, I'm I'm ranting because I find it absolutely extraordinary. No, no, exactly, exactly. And there was an article um recently how many um women in the medical profession were leaving their jobs because of the menopause. And it's like, yeah. God, you know, we're losing professional healthcare people, uh, women because of this, because of, of, of what they're going through. Um, yeah, it is crazy. And, and I think there's been so many, I've just, you know, I'm so grateful to the people that mm. share it, which is why I'm quite happy to share it because I think if there's one one person hears it and it could yeah. be a husband, it could be a partner who hears it and says, ah, oh, okay, maybe that's what she's going through. Maybe I could understand that, you know, or, or a mum or a daughter hears people talking about it and goes, maybe I could help, help the person who's going through it, help the woman that's going through it. So, um, yeah, I, um, it is crazy, but I think there's been huge changes in the last few years. Um, lots of mm. celebrities have started to talk about it, and that opens. Obviously, they've got such a bigger platform, um, and it opens it up, and people talk about it. And um, yeah, and that's why we wanted, you know, Fred and I wanted to talk mm. about it in the film because, you know, not many adventure films talk about the menopause. <laughs> Funny that, you know, they're mostly made yeah. by men as we were talking about with <laughs> with the fruit yeah and that is not something they're no. going to do so you know fruit and i were keen to kind of put that in and just as a little relatable point a tiny little point that someone watching it might just relate to so um, no absolutely i think it's brilliant and so moving on slightly from um hot flushes mm. and all the delights of the menopause. Um, can we mm. talk about a little bit more about the physical journey? So the actual mm. um, journey of paddleboarding down mm. uh, along from, I think, from Liverpool to Goul, was that right? Yes. Yeah. The most inland port. Yeah. So tell me, how how did you come about it? How did you, how was it? T- tell me, tell me, tell me. Tell me. Tell me. Um, <laughs> so um, 
So I had the idea to do it about mm. two months after I took my first paddleboarding lesson in September 2016. And I remember going to um, a chap, Alan, um, at Sup North in Stockport. I always get Stockport and Southport. Um, yeah, Stockport. And um, and saying, um, I would like, uh, my, my family are buying me a paddleboard for Christmas. So it's my birthday and Christmas present because my birthday is at Christmas. Mm. So they're buying me a paddleboard for Christmas. And I want one that I might go a long way on. And I didn't tell him why. Mm. Uh, and I was looking at an old phone and I had done all these little logos for Sup Coast to Coast. And I'd done that at Christmas 2016. Mm. Um, and I had the idea, but I told a few people about my idea. And as I say in the film, the response was, um, that sounds logistically quite complex. It sounds a bit boring and it sounds too difficult for a woman of your age. Oh my God. And so, yeah, I know, <gasps> I know, I know. And so I put it away, like literally I put it like in the back of my head as a little dream. And then for the next sort of two or three years, I continued to have my little adventures, as I call them, you know, swimming in the sea and hiking and um, bodyboarding and paddleboarding. Um, but in that interim, um, a number of my girlfriends died and I just remember realizing uh, and only one of them had hit 50 when only one of them had reached 50 oh, and I just remember thinking life is very short and very precious and um we need to make the most of it and then I then I um had a couple of frozen shoulders and then I had plantar fasciitis and a few things and I remember saying to myself when each time I had a frozen shoulder and I couldn't use it for months and it was in terrible pain I kept saying to myself these are just your wings Joe these are your wings growing this is growing pains and, and, and so woo woo so woo woo but it was the only way I could get through it with a lot of massages and quite a lot of painkillers and um maybe it was a painkiller so we're making me go a bit woo woo but um <laughs> but um I just then recall in January 2019 um and we don't put this in the film because it's quite a long story but I went for a walk up at the reservoir and I saw a lot of wild geese and I came home that night and I went on Twitter and I saw that Mary Oliver had died and she wrote a poem about wild geese. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of linked to my eyes. And so I was thinking about Mary Oliver and her um, poem, uh, tell me what it is you'll do that will this one wild and precious life. And I thought, I know I need to just bring this little dream back. I need yeah. to do, I have one wild and precious life. That is all I have. And I need to do something about it. Um, and so Johnny, my youngest, would be going off to uni in the October. And I remember literally going, right. And I went into Instagram and I hashtagged Leeds Liverpool Canal. And I found a chap that was doing the coast to coast. I looked at what he did. And I remember sitting with a friend a few days later and saying, I'm going to paddleboard coast to coast. And he said, what, like that idea you had before? I said, yes. And he was like, well, what about all the challenges? I was like, I don't know. I'll find a way. Yes. Literally, I'll Love find it. a way. <laughs> um, and I don't know if you've read Diana Nyad's book, who's a swimmer, um, American swimmer, who in her 60s swam from Cuba to Florida. I've not the, read the book. I've, I know who she is. Amazing, amazing woman. Amazing woman. And I just, I'll just find a way. I don't know how I'll do it, but I'll find a way. Yeah. And so um, I just put it out there that I was going to do it. I still had a frozen shoulder. So I started going to yoga and spin and a bit of kettlebells, like literally, you know, a kilo that I could lift because I couldn't lift my arm. Mm -hmm. um, and then just, if I'm truly honest, I had no idea how physically hard it was going to be. I just decided I was going to do it. 
which is so unlike me because I'm the most cautious person. I sometimes think those are the best adventures, though, where you just you're just you're so fixated on the adventure side of it, and you think, well, yeah, it's going to be hard, but I'll just yeah, I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll just do it. I'll just find a way. Um, and I, I sort of did really. Um, so physically, that's how I prepared. And then um, physically on it, it was just stroke by stroke, literally day by day, stroke by stroke, mm-hmm. just not looking too far ahead, really. And you had some little dark moments, but I lo- what I loved was, I want to hear about the dark moments, but what I also loved was that I, you sort of almost mantraing to I don't even know if that is a verb but anyway <laughs> chanting to yourself doesn't make me a bad person it does or yeah. what you say it doesn't make me I've made a mistake I'm not a mistake exactly yeah. I love that so so you you went wrong on one day and did a few extra miles or yeah yeah so all the time people would say well, at least you can't go wrong on a canal because all you need to do is head towards school. And I would be like, I know, you know, how funny is that? And we'd all joke about it. And then one day um, I saw this massive bag because I was literally picking along the way. I saw this massive mm. um, bag, like a feed bag. Uh, it was in the country yeah. area. I thought, oh, I'm going to fill that. There's a whole hashtag on the Two Minute Beach Clean Foundation, which is find it, fill it. I was like, this Uh is my big hashtag. I'm going to hashtag because I was sharing stuff on social media to raise awareness of A, the fundraising and B, the plastic. Mm -hmm. So I was like, so proud of myself. And we've got footage that Fritt put in the film um, and he did it just so brilliantly. He put like the footage just cuts it so well, where I am literally talking to camera going, look at this bag. And what happened was that I then was blown by the wind turned around and went great on my way I am so into this I love it love it love it and I carried on and I went that's interesting that bridge looks very familiar I best just check the next one because I got my the numbers were in the 60s and I was like yeah and then I came across this quite particular looking bridge that I'd never seen and I went oh my actual I've gone the wrong way (laughs) I ran for it and I said Frit you know, our meeting, so Fritt was filming and had gone on and, and, um, and I rang and I said, Fritt, I can't, um, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, we're going to be meeting late and I'm crying and it's just awful and I'm just terrible. And why did I think I could do this? Aww. And his response was, and we'll like, we laugh at this all the time. Could you just get the tears on film? And I was <laughs> like, are you actually serious? And he said, yeah, because this is what we need to show the truth of who you are and mm-hmm. the vulnerability and that you're not because we had a very strong feeling that the narrative was not look at me. Mm-hmm. The narrative was look at us and look what we do and look how we get through the, yeah. these things. And it's not a conquering narrative. And I was like, OK. And so I just shared how I felt. And I had, I'd read this quote in a magazine and I can't remember where, or it could have been one of those Instagram memes. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, I, I made a mistake. I'm not a mistake. And I just mm. thought that's it because my natural inclination is to go, you've made a mistake. Oh, you're such a do loser. You rem- yeah. yeah, I'm such a loser. And do you remember back in 1984 when you made that other mistake? Oh, and yeah, then 1992? Yeah. And then <laughs> that other mistake? And every yeah. mistake you've ever made since the 1980s come, floods back in and you're paralyzed. You know, you're absolutely paralyzed. And um, and so I had to case my, say to myself, Joe, you've made a mistake. You're not a mistake. And I remember my son's watching it going, that's a really weird thing to say, Mum. And I was like, yeah, 
but I think there'll be a few people that will get that. Yeah. And and they did, which is really interesting. And um, and so I just had to say right and and carry on. And we met and and. Part of me didn't want that bit to go in the film because, I mean, I didn't even have a selfie stick, so it's so personal and you can see mm. my face and you can see I've got no makeup and all, and you can see my eyes and my, you know, mascara had gone, but my there's no foundation, so you can see every kind of <laughs> part of my skin and my teeth and every, and I was like, oh, really? Do we need to put this in? But actually, I just realised that's what people want to see. It that's, is. you know, and you know, we can all show the good side, but if somebody's prepared to show the vulnerable side, it can be quite powerful. So, um, yeah, it's known as the dip. They call it the dip. And it's, uh, there's an amazing, if you ever want to, you can Google on, um, or YouTube search for this amazing woman. She gives the most extraordinary talk about the dip and how it's, should be involved in your story and your dip your big dip is the crying in tesco's that that's the sort of and people really really connect with the dip because it shows vulnerability it yeah. shows realness it shows authenticity and it just means that they go oh yeah you're a normal person i get that yeah and so there you go that and that's absolutely what you know when whenever something terrible happens on a when people are making a film you go well at least it made for good telly <laughs> yeah yeah it made for good telly yeah yeah definitely oh i will watch that yeah i'll link i'll send it to you after i'll also link it in the show notes so that people are interested and so now that you are um on this sort of we when we were speaking just before we started recording you said you feel like you're on a new phase of life do you feel different well i think for me and i'm very very fortunate a lot of my symptoms have um, quieten down unless I get to the point where I stress myself too much and then they kind of come back up. Um, but a lot of them have calmed down. Um, I think there's a, a real sense that my brain is starting to come back. Don't get me wrong. I forget things. I start sentences. <laughs> I don't finish them. I'll recording with people and go, oh my gosh, did I even answer your question? Where am I? All that <laughs> stuff happens. But there's also a sense that, um, my brain feels like it's coming back to me. Mm. And also something happened in lockdown, um, which in the person, so in the film, we recall recall how if um, a light bulb would go, I'd go from light bulb blown to the house needs rewiring to I can't afford to it. So I'm home. We're homeless within 10 seconds. And I am a bad mother, (laughs) you know, 10 seconds. And something happened in the house, which was actually worse than the light bulb blowing. And I didn't go to that place. I didn't go to that sheer Mm. desperation. I just went, do I have to fix this? Oh, God. (laughs) You know, like, oh, this is just so boring. I need to fix this. And I just remember sort of stopping and saying to myself, wow, you didn't go to the darkest, deepest despair. Something's changing. So that anxiety level is. And so I do feel like that, but I also feel like I'm starting to read all about like muscle mass and bone density. So my mum, mm. although she died of lymphoma, she had osteoporosis. And and when I was younger, I didn't eat enough. And, you know, nobody talked, nobody talked about the fact that young girls with eating disorders um, could develop osteoporosis. You, you, you know, there would be ramifications down the road ab- yeah. about bone strength and stuff. Nobody talked about that. No, nobody ever joined the dots. Um, and so I'm starting to think about things like that and just thinking, right, what can I do today 
to make my life feel good so that I have a good mm. night's sleep and all that stuff. But what can I do for the future so that I have a a strong life going forward? Because as I say, yeah. mentally, I think I'm so slow. I'm such a late bloomer that I will actually peak at 80. So I need a body that's going to maintain me till that point at which I peak. I don't want my body to fail me before I peak emotionally and mentally. So I have stuff to do. Um, and so I do feel like I'm kind of squarely looking at so I'm 56 now and squarely looking at, you know, where are my role models who are in their 60s yeah. and 70s? Um, because midlife spans a really big, mm. big fit period of time. But I saw somebody talking about midlife and she's like just 40. And I thought, yeah, but that feel I'm closer to 70 than I am 40. Yeah. And I need to start thinking, what can I do now to keep myself well long term? You know, I'm a single. I, I mean, I'm I'm. You know, I'm going to have to work till I drop. Mm. Um, so, you know, my financial situation is such. I have to work till I drop. I'm going to reach my peak at 80. I need to keep looking after myself yeah. so that I can look after myself. Um, so, yeah, it just feels like I'm I'm reading books and I'm learning. And, and luckily, because some of my symptoms are easing, I don't have that major hurdle to get through each day. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, when you're really in the thick of it, just getting through the day is is, is good. Yeah. And what, so you talking about midlife and that was something I see, I saw on your website and I've heard you talk about before, but, mm. and, and I know you give talks on it, but what do you mean when you say finding purpose in midlife and how do you, what do you tell people? Um, so I think there's a, a point, particularly as your children get old, you know, when they're little and when they're in their teenagers, it's like, you just don't have any other, for me, it was, they were the reason to get out of bed. They were the reason I went to work. They were the, you know, all that. And then as mm. they gradually don't need you quite as much, I mean, they still do, but like, mm -hmm. for example, my son is starting a new job next week. And I was just thinking, oh my God, he's such a grown up. <laughs> you know, he's such a grown up. He's already had one job and he's now moving on to a, a you know, luckily, and also because he's cool. <laughs> a bigger job at, and he's making these major decisions for himself and he didn't even ask my permission <laughs> you know and a few years ago he you know it was like he couldn't find his rugby boots and now he's like a grown-up proper man and, and mm. I'm really proud of that and and so um that purpose that I had which was get up go out to work put food on the table look after the boys that has now lessons i mean obviously mm -hmm. i'm always here at the end of a whatsapp chat or the phone mm -hmm. but that has you know and 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 my little halifax pinging the money but um <laughs> i'm that has um that has gone and as a single mum i need to replace it with a different purpose mm -hmm. and so there's a chance that i can actually think about well what is it that i can offer the world and you know what can i do and what will bring me so the paddleboarding coast to coast was a dream to take me through my youngest son going off to university. Mm -hmm. And now I need bigger dreams to pull me to the future. I'm a pull me to the future kind of dreamer. Yeah. I need something that's big that will pull me to the future so that I always know that I've got a plan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't always stick to the plan, but I have some kind of plan. Yeah to pull me to the future and that plan has to somehow involve me being able to make money as well um so I can support myself so um it's about I, I did a I, I read a, a thing um it, it's a book called Ikigai 
and there's four circles, like a Venn diagram-y thing. Mm-hmm. And you look at what you love, what you're good at, what you can get paid for, and what the world needs. Mm-hmm. So I did this a few years ago. And I came up with the idea that I wanted to train as a lifeguard. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah, so a pool lifeguard. I never practiced because my youngest son was a pool lifeguard and he didn't want me being a pool lifeguard at the same time as him. (laughs) Um, So I then trained to become an Aquafit instructor as well. But what it was for me is what does the world need? And I was like, the world needs more joy and it needs people to be confident in water and it needs people to move more. what am I good at? I'm good at encouraging people. And I really, and I think I'm quite a strong swimmer. I've never been more exhausted in my life than taking a lifeguard um, qualification. It was the hardest physical thing I've ever done other than giving birth. So what am I good at swimming? Uh, What can I get paid for? Yes, I can be a lifeguard. And what am I passionate? You know, what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, what you can get paid for, and what, what are you passionate about? And I am passionate about the world being happy or people being happy you know I'm passionate about people finding joy and so I think one way to find joy is to swim and to be in the water and to move in the water and move your body so these all circles came over and I was like I'm going to train to be a lifeguard and then it was like okay now I'm going to train to be an aquifer instructor um and so um I just do this every time I kind of think okay what do I need to do next I get my little Venn diagrams out and I think well what, what do I think what do I need and and so, for example, like with my speaking, like when I talk to the WI, it's the same thing. I want more women to feel good about themselves. Yeah. I want them to, um, you know, just live fully. And I want to learn from them when I give it. And um, so that's how I, I work my purpose in. I take this Japanese ikigai and um, and I figure it out that way. And um, not everybody will train to be a lifeguard, but... It, it was a good start. It was a good start. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. I love it. I'm going to immediately go away and make my own Venn diagram. Yeah, I'll send you a little thing. It's really, really powerful. And so I do remember because when I was doing the lifeguard training, I was doing it with, um, there was a woman my age and then the rest of them were young and there was two boys, one of whom, well, young men, well, I'm sorry, they were all younger than me, um, but these two ones were still um mm-hmm maybe A-levels, and one of them swam butterfly for the county. And I remember we had to do these drills where you had to get it done really quickly. And he was like, can I do butterfly? And I'm like, could you just not embarrass me? I'm just (laughs) trying to get to the other side without dying. And you have to swim. There's no let up. You have to swim so fast and you have to get to the other side. And then you have to jump in and jump out. And then you've got to do this and do that. And I just remember going home on the train each night going, why am I doing this? This is horrible and I hate it. And I don't care whether people like swimming or not anymore. (laughs) It's the worst thing in the world. And then I get up the next morning and go, I'm just going to try again. Uh, Um, And when I passed it was, I was really, really proud. And I, you know, texted my dad and he was like, that's amazing. And I think my boys were really like, blimey how did that happen so um yeah other other jobs are available than lifeguarding (laughs) disclaimer (laughs) yes and so what is I can tell you right now mine will be nothing to do with swimming fast or otherwise oh okay (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I did it not my gig (laughs) I Um, have no idea uh, very impressive and what so in that sort of context 
that's a kind of, you know, every now and again, have a recalibrate. What can I do that's sort of big-ish? What do you do on a daily basis to kind of keep up that sort of feelings of joy? Because we can't all be joyful all the time. No, But no. what do you do to sort of give yourself that little buzz or looking after yourself just daily or weekly or whatever? So for me, I use the word joy rather than happy because happy is like, no clouds it's a blue sky day and you're having a picnic Mm. and for me joy is knowing that there's blue skies even when it's cloudy Mm. and so that's the difference for me it's knowing that I've banked these little moments of joy as I call them that I can draw upon when I'm having a rough day Mm -hmm. and and because I still do I'm a naturally anxious person and the menopause Mm. just made it worse but I still have a low level anxiety all the time Mm. um and so um so for me, those things remind me of those joys. So what do I do? Um, I walk. So thinking about lockdown, I walk. Um, I try and walk in the mornings as well because then I, it's like good f- to get the sunlight and all for your circadian yeah. rhythms and that I'm reading. I like to re- read about stuff. I like to read about things that will um, bring other people joy. Um, I have some very close friends that I know that I can talk to. Mm-hmm. I try and be a really good listener. Um, I try and go to bed on time. I yes, do. Yeah, that's a non-negotiable, actually. I, I go to bed on time. <laughs> I read. I watch films. I, I'm terrible. I, if I see a, a Netflix, then I'm, you know, I will watch the whole thing. In I remember one series, I watched it in a whole day. Oh, my <laughs> um, word. That's very I impressive. Know, <laughs> I know. And it was called Unorthodox, and I literally oh, yes. was like, it's just extraordinary, extraordinary. And and so I'm, my, my mum's side of the family is Jewish and, and not in any way orthodox. So for me, it was just absolutely fascinating. Um, and I do a little bit of um, strength training. Um, mm-hmm. I've been reading an amazing, oh, you'll love this book. I have to tell you about this book. It's called mm-hmm. Move by Caroline Williams. Moon. And it's Move, M-O-V-E. Oh, yeah. and it's got bright colours on the front. It's just been released. And it's all about the impact of moving your body on your brain Mm. and um it's fascinating and i i got it on i got the book and then somehow i had an audible gift or something and i listened to it on my walks and um and it talks about strength training and resistance training she does she talks about strength training and resistance training and impact that that can have and the different chemicals and things that are released in your body and how they affect your brain and um and so i do find and and how that how strength training can really impact your well-being. So I try and do a little bit of strength training each day. I try and give myself really nice food and um, always have some chocolate in the house. Oh, yeah. Just tiny, <laughs> tiny, you know, I, I don't, yeah, just tiny things, like literally tiny. And, you know, I do, a, I spend a lot of my life staring into space thinking about <laughs> stuff. Like literally, uh, you know, my parents, or my, my dad will go, where are you now? And uh. I'm like, well, I'm just planning this little thing or, yeah. you know, um, and, and obviously my boys and, and my family are such a huge part of my joy, you know, yes. that's, you know, and, and like I said, I'm so proud of them. So yeah, I, I look, and I'm, I also talk a lot about gratitude. I'm really into, you know, gratitude. I don't mm. write a gratitude journal because it's just like one more thing I had to do. Yeah. But I do make sure <laughs> every day that I try and remind myself what I'm grateful for. And I have so much to be grateful for. Mm. I know that. Um, so gratitude's a big thing for me as well. So nothing very kind of like massively big, but just making, a, you know, 
and reminding myself that every day uh, there's a lot of stuff which is like make every day count and mm. make this the best day of your life and you know live each day as if it was your last and, and there's an amazing quote um from a book you're like this um um one day by david nichols and it's oh, set yes. in edinburgh and it's it. set yeah yeah and it's set in the year that i graduated oh, or okay. about the time i was at university in scotland um obviously not at st Andrews, but in scotland and there's a quote in it which has kind of guided my life for a long time where it's like you know the whole live each day as if it was your last make every day count and he said well what if you just felt a bit glandy you know how how did that work and then it gives a kind of life mantra about you know go out there with your typewriter with your typewriter and your camera and try and make a difference to the world and be bold and brave and live to your values and there's a tiny little bit in this quote that says um something around not change the world exactly but change the little bit around you yes. and that has that tiny bit has guided me i use it in all my talks i use it in everything that i do which is you know just have just try and change a little bit around me. So that's why litter picking is massively part of my wheel of well-being mm. because I can't change the world, but I can change this tiny little bit around me. So when I do my paddleboarding, swimming, whatever I do, I litter pick as well. Um, and so, yeah, the whole make every day count just feels like too much like hard work. Yeah. But, you know, because sometimes you do feel glandy and, yeah. um, you know, but it's just trying each day just to, to edge my goals forward and, and be kind to myself and know that some days it's just not going to be a big day, but I'll just edge them forward in a little way. Oh, I love all that. It's so, it's so exactly what, you know, I was telling you earlier that someone said to me, what do you do for yourself? And, mm. and I had to learn, I actually had to learn yeah. to fit in every day something. And I like to say, I like to say, uh, to make my heart sing mm. and to sort of get that feeling that kids get regularly, mm. um, that you go, and it, yeah. it was just a little tiny squeak of oh that's really exciting yeah. just something every day or you know that can be just really tiny tiny stuff but no I think that's absolutely brilliant and I'm a on that same note my big thing that I never I don't really buy into is the do something every day that scares you because yeah. like you I live, with a, I live with a relatively sort of you know low level but sometimes not low level at all levels mm -hmm. of anxiety and I'm like I don't need anything else in my life that scares me. I do sometimes do stuff that scares me, but yeah. not, not every day. Thank you very no, much. Absolutely <laughs> not. Life is scary enough. Who are these people <laughs> for whom life is not scary? Because actually life is really scary. Yeah. And um, particularly in the last year, it's really scary. So I don't need to add any more scariness to my no. life. But, you know, sometimes I do need to just stretch myself. Absolutely. You know, just stretch myself, but scary no thank you yeah. um just going on a paddleboard with some swans can be scary and that's like <laughs> nothing um yeah. yeah i think i think sometimes instagram is fantastic <laughs> but these memes can just be a bit like do you actually live in the real world if you're writing this stuff because <laughs> yes. you know, some of us have enough scariness um and maybe it's just a sort of lifestyle or a way people see things but um yeah i like low level just doing your best just you know yeah. bit by bit cheaping you know, challenging away. yourself is fine mm. but yeah no not scary so let's talk about so you talked about your talk your speeches now you gave a talk to the royal geographical society the other night 
I know. How exciting is that? I'm so sorry. I missed it. I, I clashed with something else. I'll send you how, the link. If you please want do. I'd love to put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. How was it? That's an incredible honor. It was terrifying. It's actually, when it wasn't terrifying. It was wonderful and cozy and intimate and the speakers were amazing. But in my head, I felt terrified because they're all authors and highly professional mm. and, you know, done loads of stuff. But they were lovely and we all contributed and, and, and um, you know, I overthought it so that, you know, mm. I practiced for hours my talk and, you know, I had to kind of put everything I've ever said in, into five minutes. Um, yeah, I was walking around the village, you know, and people were just like looking at me. I was like, hi, my name is <laughs> Um Yeah, and it was wonderful and it was amazing. And uh, because I'd done anthropology at university, you know, the RGS is like, yeah. wow. Um, and I'd done anthropology and I'd really enjoyed it. And, and at one point had considered a PhD and, and my, my, my tutor had put me or wanted to put me forward for this big grant and not grant mm. scholarship bursary thing. And, and I remember saying, I don't think I'm good enough and, mm. and I didn't do it. So for me to speak at the RGS, um, even though we were on zoom, it just felt like a momentous you know, like my 20 year old self or 25 year old self when I graduated would just be so proud. And I thought, yeah, I am a late bloomer. <laughs> this is only 31 years late. But I, you know, what am I going to do in my 80s? Um, but this is okay. You know, it takes a little time and sometimes we get there in the end. So it was a huge, huge, huge honor. Uh, amazing. Well, congratulations. That is a huge Thank honor. You. That's very exciting. Now, talking of, uh, huge honors and challenges and scaring yourself do you have a challenge for me challenge katie yes yeah, so um do you paddleboard i have paddleboarded yes i spend quite a lot of my time in the water but that's mainly because i've only okay. ever done it in the sea <laughs> uh, okay okay um so i would say if you get the chance um definitely try and paddleboard or my other thing if you're going to say oh yeah i'm a really proficient <laughs> paddleboarder um, it was just to um, do uh, a litter mm -hmm. pig, if a two-minute litter pig. That would yeah. be lovely. And also to do three things in the next week that just completely bring you joy. Ooh, literally. It. Three things. Just three things that bring you joy. And they don't have to be massive. They just have to bring you joy. I think that's the thing. So that could be binge watching Netflix or running around the hills or mountains yeah. where you live. Um, but just three things that bring you joy. Just for me. Just for you. That's all that matters, that they bring you joy. I yeah. love it. Okay. Well, I might do all three of those things then. Because <laughs> I think I said to you, I've got a, um, we have a sort of little reservoir type thing. It's a gravel pit, actually, about two minutes from the house. It's currently full of snow melt. So I ain't going anywhere near it right now because April in the mountains is a chilly old time to be in the water. But later on in the summer, there is, uh, and I have plenty of friends with, uh, with sups. So I will do all of those things. I, I'm a bit of a litter picker myself. I come back from my runs and, and stuff like that with all sorts of nonsense in my bag. And so where can we get hold of you, Joe? Where can we find you? Where do you hang out? I hang out um, probably too much on social media. I'm trying not to be there so much. Um, so my website is joemosley.com. Uh, so that's M-O-S-E-L-E-Y at the end. Um, and I'm also Healthy mm -hmm. Happy 50 on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also um, on, um, I have the Joy of Sup podcast, which is my podcast um, all about paddleboarding. 
So that's the joy of SERP podcast underscore. And I'm trying really hard to be a bit more present on Facebook and LinkedIn, but that may take a while. So my lovely newsletter, it's called Postcards of Joy, Stories to Lift the Soul. And I've done four. And the first one I launched in January, me, my dad, my sister, <laughs> and I sent it to two sons, my two sons, one of whom didn't open it. Um, and because I get all the statistics. So I had a very high open rate because it was all my family. Um, but it's growing. It's really growing and it's lovely. And basically all it is, is stories that I have mm. found in a month that I hope will lift people's soul. It's a sit down and just um, click on these different links. So I have had um, women in mm. who are in their 70s and 80s who are cheerleaders in Arizona, film about them, forest bathing, some delicious recipes. Um, little libraries, handwritten letters, you know, I just talk about little things. So it's just an easy click that people can dip into over the over an evening or over the month and just, um, in, you know, bring them joy. And then at the end, I just give a little bit about some of the things I'm doing, just in case they're interested. But it's really not about me. It's about other people and the great stories and lives that they're leading that will bring joy. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time. Honestly, what a great chat. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me. I'll be back next week with another incredible episode of Chatting to a Friend. In the meantime, please give us a follow on Instagram, Chatting to a Friend, for all the latest news. Bye-bye.